Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas. I am joined by James Giglio founder and CEO of MVP Interactive. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Let's, let's just jump right in and tell us about MVP Interactive and who you are, what you guys do. Sure. Well, we're a consumer engagement technology company, so we enhance brand experiences through custom software, product design, and social media. So we've been fortunate enough to be on the forefront of developing um, all of the fascinating experiential technology that you hear about now, whether it be augmented reality, um, virtual reality, gesture-based content, even leverage some of the facial recognition um, concepts for brands. Uh, traditionally, we focused in on the professional sports and their sponsors, so fortunate enough to have worked with all the major sports leagues across the country, as well as some of the teams uh, in each of those individual leagues, as well as uh, their corporate sponsors. So. Uh, we felt it was a great way to really uh, connect consumers with brands in a alternative and fun, uh, immersive way. And um, so it's been a, a great pleasure to do this over the last uh, five years or so. And, and how did MVP Interactive come about? Were you already in the space or did something else attract you to it? Well, um, to a degree, yeah. So I, you know, I always say I felt that I, I've had two lives and everything prior to MVP um, you know, no longer exists, but it, it navigated me to uh, to the formation of the company. But uh, essentially, 
uh, I was working for a, uh, a boutique out of home uh, advertising company. And so I started to see some trends in advertising or out of home advertising that brands were looking to leverage technology um, to connect with consumers. But at that time, you know, the technology offerings and developments weren't really suitable outside of uh, traditional mobile apps or maybe some projection-based content that uh, didn't really allow for uh, an effective engagement. So uh, I was actually on a, um, a sales call down in, in Tampa, and, um, you know, I kind of concepted this idea while driving to a meeting with a colleague of mine who is who's now our um, CTO and uh, basically said, you know, I think these um, there's a real opportunity to leverage, you know, the passion of sports fans to engage um, technology to create these immersive sporting experiences or maybe simulated sporting experiences that, you know, brands could help underwrite and co co-brand uh, the actual experiences in the sense that, you know, uh, sports stadiums um, provide a great piece of real estate for engagement, right? So um, at the time, this was in 2012, there was a lot of uh, press and, and chatter from ownership that stadium, in-stadium experience was going to be, you know, the, the movement forward and, you know, properties were dealing with um, low ticket sales and, you know, how they can leverage the stadium experience to help compete with the at-home experience. So I just felt it was a perfect storm of opportunity to really, you know, hit that market with these engagement points. And so, you know, I literally drafted up a couple of sketches in terms of, you know, devices, you know, one being an interactive kiosk, which we now call a morphing station, another being a, a video wall, fully interactive that we call a gaming wall that is, you know, an enclosed structure that can, you know, be situated throughout a particular stadium. So uh, during that trip, now, mind you, I, I, you know, MVP hadn't been formed yet, but uh, I took the opportunity to really cold call all of the local teams down in Tampa. So the Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the, and the Lightning um, to try to get a meeting. And so based on the calendar, it was the off season for baseball. So the Tampa Bay Rays actually took our meeting. And so uh, essentially went in there and kind of uh, use the old slogan of fake it till you make it type of thing and just <laughs> pitch this idea and, you know, really using it as a, a form of discovery and diligence in terms of how the market could react to it. And so uh, much to our surprise, but not entirely surprised, uh, quite honestly, but um, the response was extremely positive and, you know, the consensus was, you know, this is exactly the type of forward thinking that we're looking to do and, you know, it makes a lot of sense and, um, you know, we didn't have any collateral or a presentation, really. It was just a conversation similar to this. And so, um, you know, based on that response, you know, they, they, they basically asked, you know, what's the business model? Like, how much does this stuff cost? And, and I essentially politely asked, you know, to give me a couple of months to figure that out. And, and so that's, that's what I did. And um, that was right around February of 2012. And so I spent the next couple of months really um, doing more research, uh, putting you know, this vision together. And then in May 2012, uh, the company formed. And, and when I say company, it was uh, Mina, Mina Desk, <laughs> really, <laughs> but with the help of, uh, again, that mentioned CTO, um, he, uh, you know, we kind of worked late nights and um, overnight while, while he was uh, uh, working at the, at the agency still uh, to kind of build our first prototype. And that's really the, um, the nexus of the, of the, the start of the company. And then, 
you know, traditional to, um, you know, any business, we, we focused 100% on evangelizing the concept. And, you know, it was a mix of um, both meeting with investors to kind of get it off the ground. And then obviously just taking the bootstrapped approach and trying to sell the concepts. And so um, fortunately, uh, we found our way into the NBA league office and Mark Tatum, who is now the assistant commissioner of the league, um, took our took our meeting and I, I presented our capabilities and uh, his response was, was pretty positive and he put me in touch with uh, their events team and so the events team basically said okay well you know generally what we do and this is typical to a lot of uh, sports teams and startups is like okay we'd love to use your product we're not necessarily going to pay for it at this point but we can hmm. give you um, we can we can give you floor space at the upcoming all-star game and so uh february 2013 uh the nba all-star game was in houston and so they basically said you know this morphing station sounds really cool you know if you have any ideas on how we can incorporate that into the uh, jam session festivities and it's a big fan festival that runs the whole weekend prior to the all-star game um you know we'd love to, to have you down and We'll give you tickets as a part of the barter to uh, to attend all the events and what have you. So, you know, we kind of went back and you know we drummed up an idea of um, creating these, this uh, virtual bobblehead concept. Um, you know, I think most of your listeners now will associate you know Snapchat as you know the Snapchat filters as that facial recognition engagement and photo engagement. And that's essentially what we've been doing for for quite some time. Uh, we jokingly say it was a little short-sighted that we didn't go mobile first, but uh, that really wasn't the direction of the company. But in any event, from a technology set and market validity, it was um, uh, a, a great concept that, uh, you know, fans could use the interactive touchscreen to choose customizations. And who doesn't love a good bobblehead? It's really transcends sports. Um, and, and it's really a, a you know, a, a piece that m most people can connect to and, and look to uh, associate a, a positive sports event with. And so, you know, essentially we would take photos of the fans and, you know, a digital output of uh, themselves as a Eastern All-Star or Western All-Star bobblehead was um, was distributed through email and they had social shares and, you know, we had a level of analytics behind what we do, obviously. And so um, the event went tremendously well. We, we outperformed even our expectations, and we were fortunate enough to uh, quite literally on the spot sign uh, BBVA Compass, who at the time was the NBA official banking partner, um, to a contract with some of their other sports properties, um, ranging uh, from the Houston Rockets and the uh, Houston Dynamo. And so that really kind of set us onto our path on, you know, proving uh, the validity in the market space and um, in the technology. And then that's We've kind of taken our baby steps into rolling out other products, you know, and then you know, through through that relationship with BBVA, we were able to underwrite and fund developments of the gaming wall product that we created a, a, a simulated virtual uh, penalty kicking game for the Dynamo, and you know, just one one product kind of led into the next, and you know, now we're we're really viewed as a, uh, a strong content uh, software developer and technology company that that can produce these customized experiences. So uh, it's been a heck of a journey so far. So it sounds like that, that floor space at the all-star game ended up being worth its weight in gold. <laughs> a absolutely. A absolutely. Um, yeah. Le leaving Philadelphia to, to Houston, I didn't know how I was going to go going to get back, but <laughs> we did and we came back with a contract. So it was great. <laughs> and so 
what would you say is the the like the ultimate mission of MVP Interactive? At least right now, these yeah. these. Yeah, no, I I think we you know these last few years have really been you know the building blocks as to what the future could entail for us, and you know we we see a couple of different. You know, this very divisional breakdown of, of what our company can be. And, you know, right now we're on the early stages of developing based on these products and based on our relationship with the sports properties to develop, uh, you know, the very first in-stadium experiential media network, meaning, you know, we work closely with the sports teams and their property to install one of our devices and, and work with their corporate sponsorship team to help you know, their their team um, explain and sell the technology to their sponsors and kind of go into this, um, you know, revenue share model of uh, a business uh, arrangement. So, you know, we see ourselves as, uh, you know, growing into a media division and then um, speaking into, you know, other verticals, you know, because of our content capability, you know, experiential marketing has been a growing and fascinating new vertical of, of out-of-home advertising. And so um, being able to focus a division of our, our of our company into that vertical is one that's really intriguing. And we've seen great opportunities with, you know, traditional um, advertising companies as well as, you know, other lifestyle events, whether it be music festivals or, or retail locations, for example. So, um, you know, all within our core competency, because what we've experienced and what we really believe in is that technology isn't a zero-sum game. And so we've been, you know, very fortunate to be able to take one experience and one development and build on top of that to kind of parlay that into another product or, or opportunity. So, um, I know generally speaking, the, the phrase of being a jack-of-all-trade and master of none is a, is a negative one, but, uh, you know, we, we think quite the contrary because, you know, in what we've been able to build and continue to build, um, one experience has, has taught and educated us to build another one. So I think that's going to be the, you know, the, the general philosophy down the line and, and how we can kind of take this, you know, full-service technology capability uh, offering to the market. And, and when the users, and, and I'm specifically thinking about some of the sports fans uh, that you had, what, what, what kind of uh, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the users when they actually started to to have the experiences or engage with the displays and the content and everything? Yeah, tr- tremendously rewarding and fun, I, and I think that's why a lot of the corporate sponsors are now catching wind to experiential technology is because. You know, whether it be sports or entertainment, you know, we're all really in the entertainment or, excuse me, the experience business. And and so when you're able to create a very memorable, positive, and, and also shareable experience for a consumer, um, there really isn't a quantifiable ROI on that. I think it's just the, the power of, you know, being able to participate and, and really enjoy a particular event um, that this technology or engagement is stationed at. Uh, only adds, um, you know, more long-term uh, viability to the relationship between the fan, the consumer, and the, and the brands involved. And so uh, the users love the content, whether it's a photo engagement, you know, it's, it's um, you know, a lot of laughter, a, a lot of competitive um, behavior between families, which is always fun to watch, you know, whether <laughs> it's, you know, we have a, uh, a virtual home run derby game uh, with the New York Mets with uh, Coca-Cola at their um, Coca-Cola corner. And so 
everything that we do, you know, we, we try to, you know, we have a leaderboard and so we can keep score mostly for fun. I mean, we, we have added some elements of um, prizing into it, but, you know, you get one sibling playing against the next and, you know, a lot of people immediately think that this stuff is, is more driven towards kids, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> kids, kids are the beta testers and then the parents get involved and then it goes, it goes uh, viral, so to speak. And in, and in putting the company together, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but in putting the company together, what were some of the difficulties that you faced early on? Would it, would it have been those first couple of calls or, or, or actually trying to research what the pricing structure is going to be like? What would, what would that have been? Yeah, I mean, I think all of what you had said is um, probably pretty consistent to most startups, but you know, be, you know, we had levels of challenges on uh, at every at every turn. I'm, you know, outside of liquidating any level of savings that I had and resources, and then trying to beg, borrow, and uh, not necessarily steal, but uh, definitely beg and borrow money from friends and family that believed in what we were looking to do. And um, prototyping hardware can can certainly get expensive, especially when um, you know we're talking about technologies that aren't that aren't cheap, right? And so, you know, we had seen some challenges with with both, um, you know, working through prototypes and then timing delays while also trying to create the business. And so whether that's marketing plans or um, setting up appointments and, you know, it, it was a, pretty much a one to two, two person show, uh, one and a half really with uh, my partner, you know, not being able to sort of um, commit full time to it at the at the time. Um, you know, it was just trying to do a lot at once. And so, um, you know, by no means was I a graphic designer, but in, in sending concepts and proposals together, we had to um, really render out some graphically enticing proposals or concepts that we can say, hey, you know, here's what the vision is and this is what it could look like. And without having uh, real life examples was, was pretty challenging. But I, I, I will say, most of the folks, and I have to give credit to a lot of these sports properties and the early people that we spoke to, kind of they were really able to conceptualize and see the value in just the conversation and, and the idea of what the technology can do to their game day experience. And so, um, yeah, and, and so like I said, I, it was just grinding through those six to seven months of uh, really taking every single meeting we could and uh, running around the, the country, really. I mean, I spent, we're based in Philadelphia, but, you know, I would spend half my week, if not more, in New York City just taking meeting after meeting with both investors and, uh, you know, agencies and leagues, um, really, really just uh, bootstrapping along. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, you know, I think um, until we got there to Houston, um, you know, we, we experienced every trial and tribulation, and, and we still do. I mean, I think although we, we've um, reached a level of success, I mean, we're, we're certainly an early stage company that, that definitely still takes our, our bruises and, um, you know, our, our learning constantly. So, um, you know, we, we've hit every roadblock and have, uh, have overcome, you know, a lot of challenges. But the, the one thing that we can pride ourselves on is that we've never had to, we never failed the client. And so we've always produced and we've always been able to, to come through. It may have not been the straightest line to get to the goal, but uh, we eventually got there and, um, you know, we have a very high retention rate with clients now. And so I think that's a testament of, you know, our willpower and, and sheer diligence to, to kind of get the job done and do it right. 
So James, you're in the development process for these experiences, for this content, for these different teams or sporting events. And let's say, I'm sure you have a lot of back and forth in terms of what can and can't be done or certain ideas pop up. Are there any of them that have come up over time where you'll say, well, that might be too much for this particular experience or this particular piece of content that we're developing? Maybe it's something that can we can get to later or something that can be developed later. Maybe technology isn't just far enough along to do this particular idea. Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. And and because we are such a custom-based technology company, meaning that we we have to really service a lot of these ideas from our clients. And so it adds a lot of challenges. So, but ultimately we have a anything is possible mentality. And I think we've um, surprised ourselves quite honestly in, 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 keeping true to that. Um, But what we really default on is um, really knowing some budgetary and timing constraints. And and that's usually the main dictator in in whether we we pass or take on a project that uh, neither are in our favor. So if budgets aren't there or, you know, development times aren't there, you know, we'll have to take a hard look on, on whether we want to engage with it or not. But uh, again, uh, I think we've we've been able to take on those projects with um, you know less than ideal circumstances and, and really surprise ourselves and um, put together a nice nice engagement point. But um, you know that that's traditionally how we evaluate those opportunities where um, you know maybe maybe this isn't the best concept or the best use of technology for a particular experience, and then we'll think to alternatives. And so what? does the roadmap look like for MVP now, the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, so I think from a technology standpoint, we're, we're really rolling out and expanding our augmented reality um, capabilities. And so I think the market is really in desire for mobile engagements that, that leverage AR. And so we've been fortunate enough to work with some forward-thinking uh, sports teams like the Atlanta United Football Club in developing a, an augmented reality engagement for their soccer fans, and uh, we're working currently with um, a few NHL teams to leverage AR on their larger um, in-stadium, you know, LED boards, right? So the jumbotrons and things that uh, are a little bit more scalable in terms of eyes and impressions. So. I think from a technology standpoint, um, AR has, has been uh, a real exciting one to, to develop and, and roll out. And then, you know, from a, a business perspective, you know, we're really excited about esports. And given our um, experience in the professional sports world, it's, it's an easy transition to, especially with a consumer base, that understands technology um, and, you know, millennials, the coveted millennials for marketers are, you know, a prime uh, demographic for, for brands. And so we've been uh, in the early stages of uh, aligning ourselves with premier esports organizers and publishers and things of that nature to, to help uh, create more engagement points to these esports events. So we're really excited about uh, expanding our presence there. And so far, our listeners, what final thoughts would you have? What What's the big takeaway for them when thinking about MVP Interactive? Well, um, that's a good question. And uh, who are your general listeners? <laughs> maybe, maybe I can better. 
maybe I can better tell her that answer. Definitely, definitely lovers of tech and sports, and I'm sure a lot oh, of okay. I'm okay. sure a lot of these uh, folks listening have experienced uh, your product already, uh, including myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, I hope that's the case. And, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway, you know, from a couple of things, you know, I, I see life through the lens of an entrepreneur now in, in, in almost my, my every day. And, and so I think from, you know, listeners that are, are looking and interested in taking an idea and really, you know, bringing it to market is uh, really valuing the level of, of effort and execution being the hardest part versus, you know, developing the technology and, you know, believing in a, in a pr- product and, and, and creating a, a value in what you're doing is, is really important. And it's something that you know, we have to remind ourselves every day and keep focus on. Uh, I think from, you know, a uh, experience or, or marketing standpoint, I, I think, you know, a takeaway is that brands are are going to focus less on maybe what's been traditional forms of advertising uh, for people of my generation or, or you know, that, that Gen X generation where TV, print, and radio, and all of that good stuff that um, now seemingly is, is sort of shifting away where engagements are um, such a smooth integration into a brand message and leveraging technology to really, you know, capture attention to a, to a consumer is a real positive and alternative way of, of how uh, marketers are going to, to leverage engagement points and messages. And so James, what's the best way for listeners to engage with MVP or, or to get in touch with you or just to, if they want more information in general? about you guys yeah absolutely you can obviously go to our website it is actually uh, mvp-interactive.com uh, our vimeo page is a really good highlight of all of our capabilities in terms of a very a variance of uh, technologies and our clients um, you know we do have a podcast on on soundcloud uh, all under the name mvp interactive and then certainly our instagram twitter our social channels so um, so you, that's how you can find us online. And then if you want to find us in person, you know, by all means, please come down to any of these stadiums, whether it's the FedEx Field, City Field, Citizens Bank Park, and on and on and on, uh, and, and look for our devices uh, and engagement points. So um, we'd love to say hi. <laughs> well, great. Let's say, well, again, I want to thank you, James, for coming on to the podcast and, and letting us experience your your wisdom and thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. 
Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.